Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoyed this message from our Sunday morning service with Pastor Kelly Lorkey of The Cure Church. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Come on, give Jesus a big hand clap. That was very kind of you. Very kind of you. No, that uh, Pastor Omar is my best friend in, in ministry and our family's been very connected. And uh, he does serve on the board of directors even in our church in Kansas City. That's how much uh, good we feel about him and about this ministry here. And if, if you're a guest, this is just... There, you had a other service pretty much close to the same size, and you guys have planted in your fellowship 25 churches. Come on, somebody thank God what the Lord's doing. Let's get into the word of the Lord. Uh, I, I, I've entitled this message more. And uh, uh, beginning of the year, God was just putting that word on my heart more. And... Um, and I'm like, I, I, you know, I'm really like this advocate about Bibles and everything, but I must confess, I've been flaky with my Bible. I, I'm so addicted to my Bible app. I, I, seriously, because I'm, I'm like, when I'm reading, I usually, I'm on my phone reading the U version, and there's like four or five, tra- like I literally can't read my Bible without reading four translations at the same time. It's just become this habit now. I just love it. I love, I don't know. The, the versity and so forth. And there's translations that are paraphrased, and then there's literal translations. And, and I'm, I, I do feel one of the stronger translations is the New King James Bible. But, but I made a decision several years back. You know, I, I, I don't want to compromise a paraphrase for what God's literal word says. I want to make sure that a paraphrase is communicating what it's supposed to communicate. And I'm saying that for a reason because. My job as a pastor is to make this so you understand it. I'm not meant to talk above your head. Because what good is if you go to church your whole life and you didn't understand nothing? Some of you came from that church, up, down, you didn't know what you were doing. Then you get saved and all of a sudden you need to get the word of God inside of you. And so when I had this word more in my heart, I actually came across this, uh, the message translation of this portion of scripture and it just leaped inside of me and, and that's where I'm going to go from. So this is Apostle Paul in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and he's speaking to the body of Christ, the Corinthian church and uh, he, he's talking about Christianity is not as easy as you think. You're going to go through some stuff. Now, this is going to mess with you millennials that think everything's supposed to go perfect in your life. And you've been getting participation awards, and oh, look, you're already offended. I can feel it already. Because <laughs> we kind of set up this generation of if ever you're good, you're good, everything's going to be great. And then you go out in the real world and you get a job, and your boss doesn't think you're as great as your teacher told you. <laughs> and you get married, you got to go through some real problems. And then you get saved, and you got the enemy attacking your life, and you realize we're going to face some things. Okay, so that's kind of what Paul is going to deal with here. 
he's talking about some hard times that come in our Christian faith. The Bible says in verse number six, Paul says, I started, it started when God said, let light up the darkness. And our lives were filled with the light as we saw and understood God in the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. If you looked at us, you might as well, you might miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in our undorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there's not, mu- not as it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we were not much to look at. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial, torture, mockery, murder. What Jesus did among them, he does in us. He lives. Our lives are a constant risk for Jesus' sake, which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. While we're going through the worst, you're getting in on the best. We're not keeping this quiet, not on your life. Just like the psalmist wrote, I believed it, so I said it. We say what we believe. And what we believe is the one who raised up the master Jesus will just as certainly raise us up with you alive. Every detail works to your advantage and God's glory. Here it is. More and more grace, more and more people, more and more praise. I want you to say that with me. More and more grace, more. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say it like your team went to the Super Bowl, all right? Sorry, Cowboys. Sorry. <laughs> Ready? More and more grace. More and more people. More and more praise. One more time. Come on. More and more grace. More and more people. More and more praise. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it looks like things are falling apart on us. But on the inside, where God is making a new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more than meets the eye. The thing that we see now today and gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see will now live forever. Come on, give Jesus some praise right now. Come on. I mean, this is an amazing scripture in which if you've been saved any length of time, you've come to realize your problems didn't go away. If you got a speeding ticket two days before you got saved and then you got saved, you still had to pay the fine. Hello. You realize you're going to have some challenges. I I always try to encourage people when you were doing it for the devil, you didn't have a problem. Amen. But we did then. We got high. We got loaded. We got money. Whatever we could to try to fix our emptiness and our void in our life. But, But now we have something better. We have Jesus Christ to see us through every situation. Now, now. Let, let me lay the groundwork here, how, how Paul is communicating to the church. He says in verse number seven, if you look at us, you might miss the brightness. If you look at us, 
We carry this precious message around in this unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. Now check this out. He's referring the King James earthen vessels, but they're, they're actually clay pots, okay? These clay jars that he's referring to 2,000 years ago, let me tell you how precious they were. They were actually throwaways. They were throwaway containers in the ancient world, and, and they were used in everything. They were so common, there, there was not much worth to them, but the four things that they mainly held, they held water, olive oil, wine, and grain. I want you to think about that. Paul says we carry something as a child of God. You become the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Come on, talk to me now. And, and, but, but he says the four things that, that they mainly carry, number one was water. That represents, you guys had people baptized in water last week because they're representing their new life. We contain a new life. Then it says that they carried a, a, a lot of olive oil. This is what these containers were used for. That represents the anointing, the Holy Spirit inside of us. They carried wine, the blood of Jesus, the redemption, the grace of God, and they carried grain. Grain represents harvest. We contain things in our life when God came inside of our lives. You are just not here to exist in a building. God has a purpose. He has a destiny. He has a plan for your life. You are carrying something great. Now, clay jars in those days were for cooking, eating, or storing leftovers. Any domestic, you know, archaeology uh, find, they would find that these were so common. Uh, these deals. Let me tell you how they were viewed at. They were viewed as pretty much the same view we have of fast food wrappers. You know, like an internet, well, not an internet, but there's a scripture on it. <laughs> but, but they were like a fast food container. There, there was nothing spectacular about them. They were simply there for convenience. So there was no great tragedy when one of these vessels were chipped, cracked, or broke. You just got another one. They were cheap. They were easy to replace. And I thought about that for a moment. Paul's referring to us as these earthen clay pots. And sometimes the world has looked at us as cheap, overlooked, cracked. There are people in life that feel unimportant, unnecessary, unnoticed, overlooked, unproductive, unsuccessful. They feel that their life has no meaning, that why even exist? What's the purpose of living? Can you relate to people like this? Maybe, maybe as a Christian, you're going through a season of your life that you've adopted this very attitude. What's the purpose? What's the use? It doesn't really make a difference if I'm here or if I'm not here, if I stay serving God or not. Paul clarifies the fact that Christians may be like these clay pots, cracked and chipped and broken. Tell your neighbor, you're a crack pot. I know the wives like couldn't wait to say, you're a crack pot. I've been waiting for years to tell you that. That's what he refers to us as, as these broken, cracked, leaky vessels. But he says, but you have something valuable inside of you. You have a treasure that gives life. 
importance. You have necessity, productivity, fruitfulness, and purpose, and destiny. And when God made you, he did not waste the dirt of the ground when he formed you and he called you into existence. You could have been born any other time in history. You could have been born 5,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, 100 years ago. But God wanted you to be alive in 2019. Not just alive, but knowing who Jesus is. You have a purpose. Somebody thank God right now. If you put your faith in Jesus, you've been entrusted with the Lord's treasure. And I don't know about you, that seems pretty important to me. He didn't just save you to get you out of hell. He didn't save you just to get you off drugs. He didn't save you just to get you a job or blind some girl to marry you. He wanted you to be a part of his kingdom. You are valuable. In the, this passage... When we look at this treasure, how it affects our lives and our purpose of living. Christianity, Jesus Christ touching us should make a difference in our life. Paul shows us that no matter how difficult, no matter how discouraging or distressful life comes at you, we have, we cannot live in this mentality of being defeated because we have a treasure that's been entrusted in us. Look at our text. The next verse, it says, as it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves, we're not much to look at. If you stop and think about the people that Jesus was calling to the kingdom. Let me tell you, even in Christianity here at the Corinthian church, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul kind of refers to some of you were fornicators, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, and drunkards, and liars, and so forth. And he says, you have no, some of you were these people, but you've been washed. It wasn't the cream of the crop of society that Jesus came for. He came for those that nobody else wanted. He came for the broken, the lost, the crack tots of life. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. Thank God Jesus came for our lives. We weren't much to look at. The world, some of us, your family gave up on you. The world gave up on you. Society gave up on you. I grew up not too far from here in Downey. I got kicked out of every single school in Downey. And that special school, Columbus, anybody know Columbus? And you got an alumni here where everyone gets kicked out? I got kicked out of that school too. I'll never forget the principal walked up to me and he says, you're done. I go, what do you mean? He goes, leave. I go, I got to sign anything? Nope, just leave. All right. I, I started thinking about how life challenges can come and, and, and how God can use the brokenness. And I remember at age 14, at age 14, I came home and I had some friends. All The few friends that I hung around at that time, they got high and party, and their parents kind of knew it. They, well, they did know. And I, I always go to my friends, like, man, they have such a good relationship with their parents. I remember I came home one day. 14 years old, and I told my mom, hey, mom, I get high. I pulled back my bed. I showed her my bong. I, I do this. I do this. And she's just looking at me. The very next day, she says, get in the car. She took me to 6060 Paramount Boulevard, Charter Baywood Mental Institution, and dropped me off for eight months of my life. Thanks, mom. 
overlooked. I, this, I, don't, even, I don't know if I told you this. Literally, I, my mom's serving God. She loves God. But I OD'd in 1985. My mom called me three weeks ago. And she goes, hey, I found a life insurance policy on you for $100,000. I go, are you serious? She goes, yeah, you need to take my name off the beneficiary. Put your wife's name on it. I go, okay. And, and then I started, wait, wait. That's the year that I was living on the streets and OD'd. I go, were you banking on me to die? <laughs> I was a horrible mother. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's jacked up. true story <laughs> we weren't much to look at hello you know sin's fun for a season then you got to pay the fiddler it's done you may be having fun now but you're going to pay the price i was having fun for a while but then it was over i'm sick i'm shooting up i have hepatitis i'm skinny i'm yellow it's bad. Someone's trying to hurt me, trying to kill me. It's done. It's over. The party's over. <laughs> and, and thank God, though, where I had nowhere to go, somebody opened up their garage. Some Chicanos. <laughs> I'll come walking in their garage, blue hair messed up, not saved, loved on me. Hey, you want to go to church? I go, nah, I'm going to Ensenada. Tore up, jacked up, three days on speed after three weeks of them praying for me. I walked in that garage. I fell to my knees. I gave my life to Jesus, and God totally set me free. Never drank, never got high again. God radically touched me. Come on, am I talking to any real people? See, let, let me tell you something. I said this in the first service. What you see, you got a beautiful church here. But I'm going to tell you what I'm talking about. Your, your church does lack one thing. You don't have a backstage because the building. But most churches, we're going to make it all nice and pretty to so make you guys feel good. We make our churches all nice. And, and, and what you see, because you're looking nice right now. Because it's Sunday, you came to church. You know, you're not cussing each other out right now. You'll do that on the way home, some of you. Hopefully you'll get delivered. <laughs> But, but what, what do you see right now? You see us up here, and you see stage presence. Beautiful stage. Get the light right here, a little bit of beam, a little bit of this hazer on you. They're jamming on the guitar. Pastor Omar levitates over here. Good morning. But, but, but what you see is, is the stage. But, but most churches, like mine, we have a backstage. It is dirty in the backstage. <laughs> Let me break it down for you. Some of you ladies, we walk in your house, it's beautiful. But why can't we go in your bedroom? <laughs> why can't we look in your closet in the bedroom? <laughs> because it looks like a homeless shelter, and you know it. <laughs> Everyone's got that one space. Someone's coming over, shove it in there. See, I'm not here to talk about your stage presence. I'm talking about to talk what's going on behind the stage. I'm talking about the messed up stuff in our lives. Hello. Come on. 
Don't get me. I'm glad. I'm glad you don't look like Alice Cooper sweating at a concert, lady. I'm glad you cleaned up. I'm glad we're fine. But God knows exactly where you're at today. He knows exactly the pain you're facing. He knows exactly the hard times that you can't bear on your own. He knows exactly you don't know what to do. And if we can put down the front and say, I need Jesus. He could change your life today. And Paul says, we weren't much to look at. He says, we've been surrounded, battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized. Anybody been spiritually terrorized? The enemy's just on your tail, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't broken. Let me tell you something. As disciples of Jesus, we will face all kinds of difficult situations in life. This is an important message. Because God bless you that you showed up here today in the mother of all rainstorms. (laughs) God bless you for your faithfulness. But I want to preach a message that I will see you here 10 years from now and you're still serving God when trials and hard times hit. But it's not how we start. It's how we finish this thing. You know, uh, uh, and you need to understand something. You know, I just get, like, for me, I know the junk I went through when I wasn't saved. I know how my life was messed up, jacked up. I mean, I went, if you... You can buy my book, just throwing it out there. It's on Amazon. Kindle, if you do that. I'm just kidding. But, but, hold on, hold on. But how can I go through all that hell on earth and not go through hell for Jesus on earth? How can I give that much devotion to the devil? And, you know, it's not like a devil I quit today. I didn't do that. I went, got, I got worse. So I'm not going to do that to Jesus. If you're going to go for God, you're going to find out something. You're going to have problems. You're going to have your flesh. You're also going to have spiritual warfare, the enemy coming against you. But we have this incredible resource. The presence of And the power of God within us. Where God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God saves and delivers us through every situation, no matter how difficult it is. In in the King James Version, Paul says, you've been troubled on every side. Distressed and and so forth. And, And that word trouble in the Greek literally means to be pressed, squeezed, oppressed, and hedged into a pressure. The word distressed means to be kept in a narrow, narrow cramped place for the purpose of being crushed. And, and, and on every side, he's literally talking about it means every imaginable way and place and occasion of being surrounded. Where it seems like there's no way out. This is what he's referring to, what he's experienced. You, you will experience at times all kinds of pressures. I really want to be real for you because, I mean, 
some of the most, I I, I say this, uh, by the glory and grace of God, the hardest stuff I've ever faced in life has been a Christian. I mean, bad, bad stuff. I mean, Omar's my best friend, and when he says, bro, I don't know anyone that's gone through what you went through. I'm like, nobody? That's not encouraging, bro. What do you mean? Nobody? Are you, nobody? I don't know, bro. That's pretty bad. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he, he, he thinks he's encouraging me. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm, I'm talking about you're going to feel some pressure, trouble in your walk with God that feels like you can't bear it. As though this heavy weight's on you or on your chest, pushing you down, trying to crush you, trying to make you pull back, trying to make you, man, I, I don't know about this. And, and when you feel like you can't go on, if, and if, you, if you've experienced that, I'm going to show you something. You're here. Something got you here. But then God steps in. He saves us from being completely crushed. The presence and the power of God will sustain you as a true disciple. It's not how much sermons you watch on YouTube. It's not about how much you study. Yeah, you need to study and show yourself approved and all that. But I'm talking about Jesus himself. He is the one that sustains us, our trust, our faith in him. But we can't take it no more. Just like being in that garage, God, if you're real, touch me now. That's when God steps in. When you can't face life no more. I rebuke suicide. It ain't going to happen. God has your back. You may be perplexed, but God's power can save you from despair. It uses that word perplex, and it means literally means to be at loss, doubting, not knowing, questioning, wondering which way to go, what to do, what to say. It means being perplexed, unable to find an answer. Can I tell you, when you're at that place in your Christian walk and you have no answer, you don't know what to do, That is when you're being a real Christian. That is exactly the time when the Bible says the just shall live by faith. Faith means I don't know what to do. I have no answer. You can't counsel counsel me. I just have to stand and trust in the goodness of God to see me through it. You say, I don't know what to do. Okay, hang in there. God's not going to leave you. That word despair means hopelessness, no confidence, no assurance, without any sense of security in doing God's will. There are often times that you're going to feel perplexed. This guy wrote a third of the New Testament that's telling us this story, and he went through so much, beaten, torched, stoned. Uh, let me just clarify, with rocks. He didn't get stoned. I know it's California. It was rocks. Let me clarify that. Not cocaine rocks. Rocks they threw at him. He, he, he's attacked by lions. He, 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 he's tortured, whipped. One time he's left out in the ocean, just like floating out there. Feeling forsaken. Not understanding why this or that is happening. What should be done? What's, what should I say? How to handle it? 
All we know and all he knew and he's telling the church is you have to trust in God. On the outside, there's not much to us. We, our life could look like a shipwreck. And I'm even talking, you're saved. And, and you're standing, believing God, the people you work with. And they're watching hell go down your life. They're watching challenges happen. Your family that you're believing God to get saved and, and so forth. You got to remember something. That Jesus called you the light of the world. He said, you're the light of the world. We want him to be the light, but he said, you're the light. And it's that we're, we're on display for people to see us. This world, people are committing suicide. The world's out of control. It's wicked. It's evil. And we go to church. And we call ourselves Christians. We'll, we'll post a scripture or two. I wish you did. <laughs> and they're watching our lives. You are the billboard for the kingdom. You are the advertisement. And don't think because you're going through it financially, you're going through it physically, emotionally, spiritually, the world's going through the same thing. They want to see if you're going to survive it. Doing God's will means there will be trouble. There is a danger that our confidence and assurance is constantly trying to be shaken. So let me ask you a question. Can you be shaken? No, no, look at me. Can the right trial get you out of here? I mean, like, like you know that one thing? Man, I don't know if that happened to our family. I don't know if I can handle that. And then it does. Can the right guy, the right girl, the right circumstance, the right situation? The enemy wants to do anything he can to make you lose your footing. But again, when you feel that, the presence and power of God will always step in and save those who put their trust in Jesus. God gives you a hope to stir that confidence. I love what Paul says. Now, Paul, Paul had a spiritual son. He called him his spiritual son, Timothy. Timothy was in a unique situation. Talk about racism. Timothy was half Jew, half Gentile. That was so bad in that time, in that part of the world. The Jews didn't like, those, didn't like them, and the Gentiles didn't like them. Nobody liked them. The Bible describes, uh, when Paul talks about Timothy's life, it doesn't mention nothing about his dad. He speaks about his faith of his mother, and his grandmother. So he's probably fatherless. Usually the Bible always refers to the father. So here's this half-breed, rejected by everybody. And Paul calls him his spiritual son. And he's young. And Timothy took over the church of Ephesus. So the Bible, it's interesting. Paul, is this portion of scripture, is encouraging Timothy. He was going through something. Maybe it had to do with people not respecting, being young, being being not as experienced or maybe it had to do with the way the church looked at him he he went through some stuff he's encouraged him don't give up and he says something interesting verse number six of second timothy chapter one six therefore i remind you stir up the gift of god which is in you through the laying on of my hands for god has not given us a spirit of fear but of power love and a sound mind Paul didn't say, come over here, I'm going to lay hands on you, Timothy. I'm going to stir it up. He says, no, you got to stir it up. 
You've got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You, you, you are stronger than what you realize, Timothy. God's not giving you a spirit of fear. Don't quit. Don't give up. You may be a crackpot today, but God will always fill you up again. I, I, I mean, persecution. I mean, unfortunately, Christians today, can I just tell you something? When someone talks bad about you on Facebook, that's not persecution. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Well, I mean, yeah, America right now, it seems like there's such an animosity towards Christianity. But we haven't experienced nothing. What these people went through, you might feel forsaken. You might feel opposed. You feel opposition. And I bet you, even what you're going through today, it may seem very hot, the opposition. The spiritual, physical, or emotional warfare you're facing, it, it may be behind you. It may be in your face. It takes in forms of ridicule, isolation. You're pulling back. You're withdrawing. You, you, criticism. All these things are setting you off. Slander, neglect, mockery, threats, confrontation, abuse, being ignored, being censored. All these things we, we face in life as a Christian. However, God never forsakes or abandons or deserts his children. God never leaves you alone. The companionship of God, his presence of power will always sustain you and see you. That's why we want you to come in. What it says, uh, this, this, this the decree, more and more praise or more and more grace, more and more people, more and more praise. It, when you're feeling this, why is it when problems happen, Christians pull back? They're missing. They're going through it. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, you're in the front row. Now you're back there in death row. I'm sorry. I'm just messing with you. I know you're committed. But you know what I mean? You used to come early, leave late. Now you come late and leave early. I mean, you go to work and somebody asks you, do you know Jesus? You're the one that was saved. You're going through it. And we pull back. We had a friend. I said this in the first. We had a friend back when we got saved in Pastor Neville's church back in the 80s. He backslid. And he worked where a bunch of dudes worked in the church, a uniform company. And he backslid. Literally, the unsaved dudes at the job were telling him, dude, go back to church. We don't like you this way. <laughs> Anybody here feel cast down? You ever feel that point? Which literally means smiting, struck down, knocked down. That word destroy means perish or to strike out. I'm here to declare to you, church, you may be struck down, but you will never strike out. You may be knocked down, but you will not be knocked out if you stay with Jesus. The supreme characteristics of a Christian is that it's not that we don't fall. We don't mess up. We mess up, but every time we do, we rise again. 
The Bible says in Proverbs 20, uh, uh, 24, 16, the lovers of God may suffer adversity and stumble seven times, but they will continue to rise over and over again. Somebody praise God. It's not that we've never are beaten. We're just not defeated. I, I, I've had bad days. I've had, I, I'm sure, I, I remember me and my wife when we were newlyweds. We used to live in Bell. And uh, we got in a big old fight because my wife was all messed up. <laughs> we got in a big fight. And I, I'm like, I'm out of here. I got in my car. You know what that meant to me? I was such a coward. I went to Lucky's and bought milk. <laughs> and I'm walking in line. I'm so ticked off. And I'm in line. And there's a, some people in line. And I hear this voice in my head. The Holy Spirit tell me, tell these people I love them. I'm ticked off right now. I don't be talking to me like that. <laughs> and it like, it's just pestering me. You ever get that when God's just dealing with you? Yeah. And I'm like angry. I'm in the flesh. I'm totally in the flesh. <laughs> and like with an attitude, hey, Jesus loves you. Oh, this is God. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> then they got saved. I literally pray with me. They got saved. I walked to my car. I go, you just used me, man. <laughs> and I learned something. No matter how messed up you are, God still will use your life. <laughs> it ain't about your righteous works. It ain't about how perfect you are. Come on now. You may have lost battles, but we ain't going to lose this war. Our text in verse 10 says this, what they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial, torture, mockery, murder, and what Jesus did among them, he does in us. He lives. Our lives are on constant risk for Jesus' sake, which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. You need to understand something. Your Christianity shines in darkness. Anyone can come to this house when you have money in your pocket, no trials in your marriage, your kids are living for God, you have no sickness, everything's going great. But Jesus didn't die for my perfections, he died for my sins. He died for my failures. He died for the things I couldn't handle on my own. Verse 12. While you're going through the worst, you're getting in on the best. If I asked him to turn off all the lights here and I struck a match, it may be a small little light, but it will radiate this room. And we're living in a world of darkness and the only Jesus they're going to see is the one that lives inside of you and me, my friend. And here we are. He says, you're going through the worst. But the truth is, in your worst days are the days when we're weak. God is strong in our lives. That's when you see the power of God. That's when you see the grace of God. That's when you see God do miracles through you and through your life. The Bible says in verse 13 in our text, we're not keeping this quiet, not on your life. Just like the psalmist who wrote, I believed it, I said it, uh, and we say what we believe. You know how you know where you're really at? When you're going through hell, what comes out of your mouth? When, when, when the pressure's on, what comes out? Verse 15, every detail works to your advantage to God's glory. 
Every, look, look at me. Quit blaming the devil for everything. The devil's like, man, I'm not even here. Why are you always picking on me? You blame me for everything. Half the stuff you blame me, you did it. These bills, you charged them. But everything, believe it, everything works to God's advantage in your life. More and more grace. More and more people. More and more praise. If it's the presence of God that sustains us. Worship for 20, 30 minutes in a song service is just a teaser for your lifestyle of worship. You ever been going through it so bad and you came to God's house? Hold on, hold on. And you, right when the worship happens, something begins to change. You, you can't explain it. You look over at your wife, I'm sorry for yelling on the way to church. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The presence of God, all of a sudden, you came out, this is my last Sunday. And then you're like, man, I can't, I'll see you at Bible study. What happened? You got in the presence. He says, if you draw close to me, I draw close to you. He inhabits the praises of his people. Verse 16, so we're not giving up. How could we? Even though our outside often looks like things are falling apart, on the inside where God is making a new life, not a day goes by without this unfolding grace. Man, man, and the time in life that this filtered Instagram society, you know, gosh, how far should I go with this? (laughs) I'm going to do it. I don't care. I'm not at home. (laughs) So I I was at a, I was at the mall with my wife. This is about 13 years ago. This girl don't go to my church so I can tell the story. And, and I see this girl from my, hey, what's up? And she sees me and my wife, hey, what's up? And she's like this. I'm like, what the heck? She had like a beard. I didn't know girls had whiskers. I'm being, I'm sorry, ladies, I'm going to tell the truth. And I told my wife, I go, what the heck? She goes, yeah, she's going to go get wax. I go, and she starts telling me, yeah, a bunch of ladies. I go, I don't want to hear this stuff. I don't want to hear about ladies' facial hairs. I have this vision of women, and I don't want to, I don't want to see them bearded. You're messing me up, Esther. Don't tell me none of that. Yeah, that lady's all. The ladies are ticked off right now. You're blowing our deal. In other words, we're not going to always look good no matter how much we try to make ourselves look good. But for the record, please keep doing it. I could have went my whole life not knowing that. And don't come to me afterwards talking, all right? 
We try so hard to look good. You post these pictures, filter, perfect. It looks like, man, they're having a great time. It took like 50 pictures to get that one picture. And we look so good, and then all of us are looking at these images. Man, my life sucks. Look how happy they are. It's a lie. I'm not saying people aren't happy. But it's this image, and it kind of messes with our heads. And we start getting insecure. We feel like, man, when we look at our lives. But when you get to know people, people are people. They have just as much problems in their families, just as much challenges. You look at other people's churches, they get the right angle. It's all, yeah. Hello. They got their little signs, welcome. You know, it's all pretty. And, but reality is, we're just messed up people. Helping messed up people. Anybody older remember the sh- MASH, the show MASH? Remember MASH, raise your hand. Yeah, you're old. <laughs> Ma- MASH was a good show, but you had these crazy doctors. You had these crazy doctors. I mean, crazy doctors, all drunks and messed up. They're in the middle of the Korean War, and they're always fighting and arguing, and they're messed up, and then all of a sudden... They were a MASH unit, a medical unit. And then all of a sudden, the wounded came in, and they're healing the wounded. And it kind of gave me that whole thought. We're nothing like, we're just like that. We're messed up people helping messed up people. It is good. We are messed up people helping messed up people. Paul's endured the suffering so we might be saved, so others might be saved. You ever stop and think why God saved you? I mean, let me go deeper. Why are you born now? Well, if if we believe that God is the one creator of all life, why weren't you born 5,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, 100 years ago? Why did God choose you to be alive in 2019? But not just alive. He chose to be alive at this time in history. And not just alive, but saved. Filled with the Holy Spirit. He wanted you to be his church at this time. I know you were going through it. I realize when I'm in that garage and my family gave up on me and, 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 and uh, some of my friends, we were talking, uh, uh, Rick and Mark, I haven't seen in years. They're like, man, we thought you were dead. <laughs> People did. Everyone gave up. But God saved me. I didn't know when I was in that garage all strung out, messed up, crying out to Jesus. Man, thank God he saved me from my sins and addictions and healed my body and, 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 and touched me. That's great. But he didn't just save me for sobriety. He had a plan for my life. He wanted to save me so I can reach certain people. He, he, he's keeping you around. He, I know he saved you, and it's important, but he wants that person you work with. He wants your next-door neighbor. He wants your unsafe family, the, that oikos, those people around you. That's why we refuse to be defeated, people. People need the grace, the power of God to be saved. God needs to be glorified. And the only way people will be glorified is they experience the grace and the mercy of God that we've experienced. And the Bible says, how will they hear without a preacher? 
You're the ones. The Bible, Paul says at the end of his life, 2 Timothy 4, 7, I fought the good fight of faith. I finished the, the, the course. I kept the faith. I, that's how I want to finish. That at the end, I didn't grow bitter, angry, backslidden, frustrated. I'm mad at everybody, mad at every church, mad at every preacher. All these excuses why I don't want to serve God. I want to finish and keep the faith. Suffering, strain, stress tend to bring people to the end of the rope and bring to the point of quitting and throwing in the towel. And perhaps that might be you this morning. But such is not the case with Paul. Paul understood. He it kept him from quitting. He stuck his eyes on Jesus. He didn't take his eyes off Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one who decides. He wrote out your purpose and your destiny. Put your trust in him. Somebody praise him right now. I'm almost done. Verse 17 says, I love this. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us. This is important. You're going through some hard times. You feel like quitting. You feel the pressure. You feel the heat. If not now, someday you'll face that. The King James Version says this light of affliction doesn't compare to the weight of glory. That's what it really says. Let me share what that means. It, it, this, it's called the weight of glory. This picture should always be in your mind. Your life is a scale. On one end of the scale is all your trials, all the heartache of life, all the pressures. And it, it, you feel weighed down. And you feel like, how could I go on? But Paul says, then God puts his weight of glory. And it shifts because about the place prepared for us. In other words, when you get to heaven, we're going to feel ashamed of what we complained about on earth. What we said was so hard compared to what's prepared for us. So don't let the devil duke you. Don't let your mind battles deceive you that it ain't worth it. Friend, when you stand before God, it's going to be worth it. God has a number on each one of us. There will be a toe tag on you one day. You're only allowed to live so many years, so many months, so many days, so many hours, so many moments. God lets you live. And he's not going to ask you at the end, did you go to Praise Chapel? Did you go to church on rainy days? He's going to ask you, what did you do with my son? How did you live your life? Or did you make a difference in this world? That determines your eternal destiny and your eternal reward. It says... Verse 18, there's more that meets the eye. The things that we see now, today, gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see last forever. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. Most of you, except me, will be watching the game. I'm going to read you an interesting football story that took place here at the Rose Bowl. In 1929, Georgia Tech 
was playing California. Late in the second quarter, Regal, Roy Regal, recovered a fumble for California. And in his excitement, he became confused and began running in the wrong direction. Running 65 yards the wrong way, he was finally tackled by one of his own players. He got tackled at the California two-yard line. Attempt to punt from deep in their own end zone, but the kick was blocked. Georgia Tech scored a safety. In the locker room at halftime, Roy Regal sat in the corner with his hands buried in his face, weeping and crying. The locker room was completely silent. Matter of fact, the coach didn't make his usual halftime speech, but shortly before the team was going back and take the field for the second half, he said these words, the starting team is going back on the field for the second half. The whole team left the locker room except for Regal, who remained in the corner crying with his hands on his face. He said, I can't do it, coach. He said, I can't play. I've ruined the team. The coach said, get up, Regal. The game's only half over. You belong on the field. I'm here to tell you, whatever you've been going through, the game's only half over. You belong on the field. Don't pull back. Maybe you've messed up under pressure. You've caved in under pressure. Don't throw in the towel now. Don't pull back now. Don't shrink back. Don't quit that ministry. Don't stop missing church. Don't stop letting your light shine. Go all in. It's only half over. Regardless of the past, you still have the rest of the game to play. The fact that your heart's beating and you're breathing air, God still has stuff for you to do. He has a purpose for you. God is willing to forget your mistakes in the first half if you let God move the second half. He expects us to get out and play the second half. We need to think bigger, dream bigger. 2019, we just had the celebration. To the, uh, it's a new year, and it's already February, and you're already forgetting everything you said you were going to do for God. The devil's a liar. And, and let me clarify. I'm not talking about making a few more sales this year. I'm not talking about financially landing a better job or promotion. I'm not talking about a new house, a new car, a man or woman, even though you might need some natural things in life. But I'm talking about seizing opportunities in regards real purpose and destiny in your life. Colossians put it up there Colossians 4 5 live wisely among those who are not believers make the most of every opportunity don't waste your life make the most of it the opportunities will amaze us if we look for them look for them in this time I love what Paul says it says in Ephesians 5 15 be careful how you live be careful how you live don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. This world is evil right now. Laws are being passed. It's dark. They hate church. They hate Christianity. But you and I are called to be a light in darkness. The darker the world gets, the brighter we are supposed to be. Don't act thoughtless, the Bible says, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand 
God's purpose for your life. If you don't know, you need to get a hold of God. God, what do you want from me? Most people say, God, give me this, give me this, give me that, give me this, give me this. I'm praying for this. I'm praying for that. And God's up in heaven like, you want me to do everything for you, but you won't do nothing I say. Who gave whose life? You gave your life to him. It does not belong to you. You gave your life to him. He's not here to serve you. You're here to serve him. Find out. Jesus said, my last verse, store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves don't steal and break in. What are you doing to invest in eternal matters in your life? Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.